This week's episode is sponsored by nobody. But I have to tell you that if we were going to be sponsored this week, it would be by Dr. C's dentist office in Pasadena, where I went this week for the first time. You know, nobody likes going to the dentist, but if you have to go and you're, and you're anywhere near Pasadena, you really should go to this guy. He was wonderful. Everyone in his office was wonderful. I just, I just, it was painless. It was just a great experience. But you know, if, if you wanted me to say something nice about you or your business or your corporation or your government, all you would have to do would be to contact us here at the here at the podcast and 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 and, and put up a very nominal amount of money and you would be our first and most beloved sponsor. But in the meantime, I'm really looking forward to this week's episode. You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. It's actually a conversation between me and my son, Roman, who some of you will recognize from the wonderful podcast. He was on there and he was one of my most popular guests ever. We have this conversation around um, a letter that I got from one of our listeners. And a lot of people are starting to write in. And please, if you're listening to this episode, if you have any response whatsoever, please write in. It is so cool to hear from you guys. But I think you'll like this conversation. It, it, It ends up sort of being about how secular humanists who have family members who are who are ardent believers how how we talk back and forth and how you sort of forge good relationships across those boundaries um so that's i think you'll enjoy that 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 thing in the meantime i just want to let you know about a couple of things that are happening i remember when i was when i lived in philadelphia i used to listen to the howard stern show from time to time and howard stern when he was coming out with this movie for like a year and a half he talked about this movie that he was coming out with and how great it was going to be and the whole process of making it and by the time he actually came out with the movie Marty and I went and saw it, and we're like remarkably surprised at how good this movie Private Parts was. Um, it later got blown away because it was all about his love affair with his wife, and then you know he divorced his wife, and the whole movie was shot for me. But the bottom line is, I'm working on a movie, not about my love affair with my wife, but about my relationship with my dad, and especially in the process of kind of coming out. And our friend John Wright, the documentary filmmaker is making it and I've seen some of the early stuff if you look at my website I think there's actually a clip up on the website I think it's going to be kind of a cool documentary that that especially people that are looking for language in that conversation between you know, between Christians and humanists and family members I, I think I think there's some good stuff there it's funny because my dad and I, the, the documentary sort of grew out of this book project that we just sent off to the publisher. So there's going to be a book and a documentary sort of linked together around this conversation. And I'm telling you not because they're available, but to build excitement. And so, you know, I sense the excitement even in my own voice as I'm talking. I mean, you can feel my excitement. And uh, I just want you to share that. But in the meantime... I want you to share this conversation I'm going to be having, and I hope you like it, and I hope you'll write to me and let me know. Thanks for being part of this community. Let's get on with the show. When you start, when you press record, don't change the tone of voice that you're using right now. Yeah, well, like, you know, you think you're all like, I know what's going on, but like, I already pushed the record. Oh, you already yeah, did it. Okay. Yeah, that's right, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, because uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I am too, <laughs> son. It's interesting. Okay, so... 
One of the things that's interesting to note right now is that I don't know when this podcast, this particular conversation, if and when it will hit the, they're not airwaves. The, the net. The net. Yeah. But um, the first one, when it hit the net, there were 500 people that listened to it. Oh, that's solid. And I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Like no advertising. Because we talked about like, let's address the four people today and just be like, hey, thanks. Right. All exactly. Four of you. Was, that's exactly. Right. You said like, look up how many people there are. Yeah. We just skipped like six months in my mind. Yeah. You, we just jumped. You thought it would take like six months to get 500 Maybe not six, six months, but like I thought, because it's a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you get, the more you get. So I thought it would take a while to get to like a hundred and then it wouldn't be long before 500. Yeah. Um, but hey, here we are. We made it. And, and then many people wrote back and said, A, I like that new name. That new name humanized me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are okay with that. Yeah. I, well, it's got a good logo, too. So I'm I think with it's it. a lot like, it's a lot about like, uh, what's the word? Like naming a child. Yeah. Like you could say. Well, once it's named. Once exactly, it's named, yeah. everyone's going to say, ah, not it. Well, I don't know. I, I think, well, I think once people see a logo, that's when the child's been born. So, okay. So John also, in, in addition to telling me about the cool number of people that are listening. And by the way, if you are one of those 500 people, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to. Right, it's not cool to address the audience, is it? Well, it's less cool to second guess yourself once you've already started addressing Damn. the audience. I don't know what to do. So I would, I would just go for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna address you, wink, wink. <sighs> but like, the way I would hope that this thing would spread would be just people like forwarding an episode to somebody and saying like, "This was a good conversation. You should check it out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing. So John, John, when you wrote back, in addition to talking about the coolness of having 500 people that actually listen to this, yeah, he said, you know. You get a lot of emails from people asking you questions. And he said, I think that on each podcast you should address them. Address Absolutely. Them. I pulled out this one and it's a long letter. I don't think I'll probably read the whole thing. I'll just, I'll just skim it for you. You could read it really like, could you read it as fast as you can? Yeah. You think I talk too slow? Well, no, I just think it's a long letter yeah. and for the sake of time. I will. Yeah. I mean, so I'm writing because I want to say thank you and also ask for your advice. I'm sure you receive emails like this all the time, but here goes. I'm a 34-year-old woman from Connecticut, now living in Los Angeles, working as a designer, and I'm a pastor's daughter. My dad is a pastor with the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he's an awesome guy. Huge heart, amazing ministry. I'm writing because I'm in horrible pain over losing my faith about four years ago. My parents don't know, and I'm in devastating pain over the loss of this identity and relationship with faith. I was an extremely devout Christian my entire life, through my teen years, and 20s, teaching at Christian schools, deeply involved in my churches. I loved worship, loved knowing God, loved theology, loved the church, all of it. You and your dad's ministries meant a lot to me. I can still remember the altar call from your message at the Creation Festival in the 90s. The Creation Festival? That was like this big Christian music festival that I used to speak at. Wow, it's so funny imagining you there now. Yeah, yeah, like, I know. It would be like me with 10,000 rabid Christians on a hillside. Yeah. It was one of these things, and I never did this, but like the people that would speak before or after me, the musicians, it was one of those things where you could get an amazing roar just by going like, our God yeah, is yeah. an awesome yeah, God. Yeah, no, our, our, I don't know what festival it was. Do you remember the festival where we saw Toby yeah, Mac for the first Life time? Life Fest, yeah. Yeah, we ended up getting his CD. He's a Christian rapper. He's really good. Um, but I, I, yeah, I remember the, him walking out on stage and going, do we have some Jesus freaks in and, the And the crowd just goes crazy. And they just go insane. And I remember seeing you then come on later that night. And you're talking to all these kids. And you're like, you're like, hey, 
I don't know where you guys got the idea of like rock star Jesus, but let me tell you a little something about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. He wasn't cool. Yeah. And like, and people were like, yes, he was. And then everybody like started yelling, yeah, but right. you brought it around, you know, you were basically Yeah, I was trying saying, to explain like, that he was a passionate person. Yeah, that he wouldn't have been at this festival with a bunch of girls, like, you know, with his tie-dye shirt lying down with them, like he would have been with the homeless guy right, right, right. in the street. And, you know, and it, you really did bring it to a, I, I would have hated to be like the musician came out after this like uh, we cool for God like, <laughs> like, they were like uh, I'm uh, confused so much dissonance yeah. maybe that was the, well, this woman's experience <laughs> let's see so she, so she says something happened to my faith when I tur- around when I turned 30 and I am in a lot of shock and pain from the fallout I don't know any other way to explain it and it's still very confusing to me there were some contributing factors I was going through a divorce I was in grad school having some intellectual opening and I was also having more awareness about the church's failure with gender and homophobia. Somehow in the mix of those circumstances, my faith just dissolved. Over a few months period, it just stopped making sense to me. And I no longer felt like I could believe in God. I seriously am still so confused about how this, is, how this happened and am somewhat in deep denial. It's horrifying transition to me. And I'm struggling a lot. Intellectually, I've explored a great deal, which has been helpful. I know I'm some sort of secular humanist, and I have very different ideas about reality, existence, meaning, etc. But my heart deeply misses the church and my faith. Additionally, I am pretty disturbed by the indoctrination I received as a child and the non-scientific, illogical things I believed in my faith. I've added some spiritual practices to my life, like meditation, yoga, etc. But these new forms feel entirely empty to me compared to the depths I used to know. In general, I am I'm in deep grief about losing my precious relationship with God as I knew it, my identity as a Christian, my community of fellow believers, and sense of well-being in the world. I feel a lot of existential angst about reality and meaninglessness. I've been too scared to tell my parents, and I can't even imagine getting to that point. It would be awful to talk about, and while I know they love me, I think they would be really upset, really sad, and try to get me to return to Christianity. I don't think I can handle their grief right now, but maybe in the future I'll have the guts to tell them. I'm so glad I found your work. When I first discovered your podcast and and your writings about six months ago, it was huge for me. Reading your articles and listening to your podcast has been encouraging to me because I see so much of the fruit and joy I so cherish from Christianity. I'm so grateful that you're motivated to bring the best of Christian community into the secular humanist world. It truly gives me hope. I'm writing because I feel very alone and really need some guidance or or advice. Do you know anyone I can talk to? Do you have any resources you can recommend? And she goes on sort of asking those kind of questions. But her main question is the one that resonates with me. She's sort of like, do you have any advice for me about talking to my parents? Yeah. I mean, obviously you had to have that talk with your parents, but you were a little bit and she's not better kid- prepared. Right. And she's not kidding when she says, well, I don't know. How I bet you get this letter over and over again. I get this letter all the time yeah. from people. And, and, and many times it is the dual problem of on the one hand, I'm grieving the loss of my community, my faith, my identity, right. my sense of meaning. And that one, I have a fairly easy time addressing. A lot of times that's simply a shift in perspective. Right. And saying, oh, if this life is the only one you have, strangely enough, it now becomes more meaningful, not less meaningful than when it was 
simply a dress rehearsal for heaven. But the parents' issues a little the more parents difficult issues to address. Still, yeah, they, you know. Well, it's similar to, you know, I remember talking to you when I realized I was going to have to break up with my girlfriend. And it is, it's incredibly painful to be walking around with like the knowledge that to do what's best for yourself means inevitably causing huge emotional damage to someone you love dearly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and I guess when it comes to a relationship, there's just no getting around it. You can't just, st- I mean, people do sadly sometimes, but if you're living in a generally healthy way, you can't just stay in an unhealthy relationship forever. Uh, but you have met people who have just opted to not tell their parents. Absolutely. And, and, and here's the and thing. sometimes that's not yeah, crushing. Yeah, you want to know, like, like people say, like, well, what do you say to that woman? And, you know, everybody needs one of the reasons people invent religions when they invent religions is because as human beings, we have like this kind of deep need to, for our little lives, our little narratives to be connected to in a meaningful way, a larger narrative. Right. And if, if there's one larger narrative that it's easy to connect your little life to. It's the, it's the epic of evolution. It's like the idea of like this life emerges, then meaning emerges, then love emerges. Right. And you get to be a part of adding to it. It's like the Walt Whitman poem, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you get to add a verse. To the, the grand play? To the, to, to, yeah, to the, right. the, this whole kind of wonderful story. Um, and that, that, that it also becomes more meaningful when you realize like the end of the story is not written yet. Right. And therefore, what you do can actually change the course of not only other people's lives around you, but also yeah. like, you know, it's sort of you're you're you can move the needle a little bit. Yeah. It, the only thing that doesn't you, you can't get in, in my opinion, you can't get in religion either, though. Like if you're if you're willing to just dig with the wise, but why? But why? But why? Like, OK, but why is there a universe? Like, okay, the, you know, say, well, the that's, I mean, and that's the great question that every physicist asks. And that is, why is there something instead of nothing? Yeah. And, and it seems like the prevailing theory that I've read that, I mean, obviously doesn't make sense, but once you get to that area, you're not going to get an answer that makes sense is that that question, why is there a universe is a mistake. It's, it's words we can put together. But as Richard Dawkins said, it's like asking what is the color of hope? Like, yes, that is a grammatically correct sentence, you know, but it, it but doesn't it, have it, meaning, it doesn't have any meaning and that it's just sort of like our, our brain's mechanism is like cause and effect cause where I, okay, I see the cause. What's the effect? I see, I see the effect. What's the cause? I mean, yeah, I mean, and we are, we are evolved to look for, cause that's how we, you survive yeah, causes and effects, but, you, but then you, you know, extrapolate that out and you just get, you hit a wall. But my, I guess like, I think that almost in any worldview, Somebody's like, I can pick it up one second after there's something. So like, you know, like right. What whether, science, we'll, we'll like, give us one miracle and we'll explain the rest. Exactly. Or give me God. Yeah. God exists. Okay. I've got the rest or give me the big bang. If you, if you'll give me the big bang, I can yeah. explain the rest. Right. Um, you know, if you can give me matter and energy, we can go from there. Right. So that part of it, the larger narrative the sense of, of meaning, like she, her, fe- her fear of nihilism, her sense of like nothing seems meaningful, that really is a matter of, of perspective and a matter of also giving language. Like she had 30 years of wonderful, poetic, moving language yeah. around the narrative of the kingdom of God. And frankly, when you wander into most atheist 
clubs or or you start reading most like new atheist literature sometimes there's a dearth of beautiful language that's why i'm always referring people to ursula goodenough's book the sacred depths of nature not because it has any groundbreaking ideas yeah but because it's amazing language right. about cosmos and ethos and all this and all the stuff but when it comes to the parents thing the reason why i had to call is because like we have to talk about who you are and who your parents are because sometimes it would if if you it, sometimes it makes perfect sense not to tell yeah like and you go like but that's living a lie and you go like sometimes living a lie is like depending on the situation how old they are right like is it how it, close it, you are if it's going to ruin their lives it's not worth it why, why you know i well, don't well sometimes i mean depend it, it, it's more to the point. Or if it's going to ruin, it's gonna ruin your life, life to not tell, yeah, or yeah, to, tell, yeah. to tell them, like if you're going to lose something that you can't lose, or sometimes it's financial. I mean, I've had young people come to me; they don't want to get cut off, and 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 they would get cut off, and they know this, and they can't afford it, and so they're like, I have, you know, so there are all sorts of dynamics at work. But when I talked to this woman, it was a very familiar dynamic to me, where her parents are good Christians. And I don't like, I mean, they are good people. They love her. They love life. Like, like Christianity is this framing that has worked for them. But like, they're just good people, they're but, good they, pe but they think they're good people because they're Christians. They think, yeah, right. as we, as, as I did, I, I would have told you that my goodness flowed directly from my relationship with God. Um, you know, because that's kind of the narrative I was in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's weird is, you know, what I ended up saying to her and, and like, and, 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 and this is the advice that I give that's almost standard. Like, if you're going to tell, if, if you need to tell, like, if, uh -oh. if you need to have an authentic, like, if, if I didn't tell my parents, it would have been devastating because I had always had a, an authentic relationship with my parents. Right. And yeah. It would have been lies every conversation because that topic comes and up they constantly. And they would have figured it out. They would have gone like, oh, like he you doesn't don't have the same reach anymore. Well, and he doesn't. Oh wait, are you saying no, if you would just continue? If I the had just career continued path, to preach, if I just continue, oh like, yeah, no, because they would have been like, he, when we say like, wasn't that an amazing experience or this or that? They would have seen the look in my eye, and they would have been like, I don't, I'm not, you know, it's sort of, I know who real Bart sort is. Sure, like in a dating relationship, like at some point, yeah, they figure it out. They figure it out, and they go to, like, yeah. you're not here. Like you've lost that loving feeling, you know? Um, yes, and so. For me, I had to tell, but, but one of the things that I say is like, if you get to the place where you have to tell, I was thinking this is the one thing I would want to communicate to anyone in this situation is, if it's important for you to share, don't tell your parents what you don't believe. Don't go to them and say, hey, mom, dad, I no longer believe in God. I no longer believe in Jesus. I no longer a Christian. You always have to, you're going to talk about framing. Tell them what values you're still committed to. Right. So the way you the way you describe it to them is you say, "Listen, I'm so grateful that you raised me a Christian. Because from Christianity, what I learned was, and you list out every good lesson that you draw, every overlap between Christianity and your present worldview. You're like, you know, I mean, this is where I learned how to." The, the value of family. This is where I learned the importance of taking care of other people when they're in need. This is where I learned that it's important to set up a discipline in your life that, to protect yourself from harmful influences. Like, I'm so grateful for this, 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 and this. So the first thing is you want to underline for them all the stuff that you have in common. 
And then you want to say to them, like, these are the things that I value the most. Um, and, and, and at the same time, you want to say, but here are the things that I really have deep questions about. Like, I've been, I've been overwhelmed by certain questions. And then you're able to describe your, your new convictions or your new ideas. Yeah. In terms of questions, like it's almost like Jeopardy, like phrase it in the form of a question. Right. Because intellectually, like the best you're ever going to be is agnostic. I mean, there's no proving there is no God. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so since you are agnostic, like I'm agnostic. People say like, no, no, you totally don't believe in God. That's true. I, I don't live a single moment as if, I have no evidence that there is a, a, a personal God right. and I don't make a single decision as if there is one. But like, I also don't make any decisions based on whether or not Justin Bieber has deposited $6 million in a Swiss bank account with my name on it. Yeah. I have no evidence that that's the case. But do you feel equally agnostic about that? I, I, I am agnostic about that. But do you feel equally agnostic? Because like... They actually do. I think there's about as much chance of Justin having put um, $6 million in the bank account and put uh-huh. my name on it as there is that there's a personal God who actually created the universe and, and intervenes in human He's kind of like a guy. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but but with the, the fact is, like, since I, can't, I make no decisions on the basis of the fact that that money exists, I live every month. I never think about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, would I go to the wall to say I can prove that that's not the case? No, you can't prove it. Right. It could be, it could be. So I always think like, since you are agnostic, when you're telling your Christian parents about your shift. Yeah. You might as well just say, I don't know whether there's a God. I have, but I have real doubts. Like these are the things that I have struggled with. And I've come to the place where like, honestly, I don't, I'm not sure that there is a God. I'm not sure that I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead after three days. Like, I don't see any evidence for this. This doesn't make sense to me. It's so much gentler yeah. when you tell people, like, these are the values I've got. Right. And then I think that the third thing is, is that what you need to, what, what your parents are, one of the things that most good Christian parents are worried about when you tell them you don't believe in God, in many cases, in this woman's case, her parents aren't afraid that the kind of God they believe in isn't going to condemn her to everlasting damnation and hellfire burning for a billion years because her theology is wrong. What they're worried about is much more here and now. Huh. Who are you going to be with? What kind of man are you going to marry? How are you going to raise your kids? Like the church, Christianity has been their whole world. Yeah. And so it's like she's been cast out and they're she's, like. You're floating now. You're not you're grounded alone. anymore. You have no friends. Vulnerable. You have no values. Like yeah. what's going to happen to you? Are you going to like end up like sleeping with 57 guys every right, night right, right. and using drugs? And yeah. Because if you still think we're, you've been a good person this whole time because, because of, of Jesus. God. Yeah. If you cut that off. You're done. And so what I would say is like before you tell them, identify not only what your new, what your values are, the practical next steps of your life. Tell me who your people are. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, you know, and you know what, mom, I'm part of this. Like, like for the kids at USC that are part of my secular student fellowship. Right, right, right. I would say like, and they say like, what happens now? Because that was my first par- my parents' first question. Like, what now? And I was like, if you can say to them, you know, I'm part of this group 
of people and none of them are sure about God either, but we're so committed to loving relationships and we get together every week and we talk about how to be better people. We go on missions trips together where we serve the poor or we serve the homeless or we do something. And, you know, we eat together. And, it, you know, it's so much like old, the old coveredish suppers we used to have in the basement of the church. Like, I, I'm around really good people. All of these things are things where you're like, you're gentle, you're gently letting your parents know, oh, there's life on the other side. And, and I said, one of the things is wait a little while to tell them. So that when you can tell them, you can say, I've been this way for a while now. Have you seen a difference in me? Like, do you feel like I've become different or a bad person? Yeah. You, like, because a lot of times the you know, parents go like, well, no. I go like, that's the thing, mom. I'm okay. Still me. I'm still me. Yeah. I still love you. I said, the other thing, so the first thing is you want to tell them what your values are, not what you don't believe. Right. The second thing is, you want to tell them about the life and the fellowship that you're a part of and the, and, and the things that you're committed to doing with your life and the future that you see for yourself. I'll say the third thing is, is you want to affirm to them, I don't think you're stupid. Because whenever you tell somebody that you've, like, I remember when we would, when we would move from one neighborhood to another, whenever you would tell your neighbors, like, we're moving, they would feel judged. They're like, yeah. I remember kids in school saying they're changing schools or like, I remember when I was leaving Ohio state telling my friends, it wasn't even about Ohio state. It was like college right. isn't for me. And they're like, but it's really about me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> People know? take it personally. Yeah. Like how could you ever leave somewhere where I am? And I know my parents, you know, they, to this day, my dad struggles with feeling like my decision to leave Christianity was actually all about personally repudiating him well, yeah, and like, he says that it's yeah. not even just an internal fear he's, he's like I yep. feel rejected yep. um, and so what I say to them is you've got to put across number one is this isn't about you but like they won't believe you but more importantly I think your faith is a good thing for you see I that's where it gets patronizing in my mind like even even if they still believe it to have someone say like I think those beliefs are are completely but you see, I never, I never, I never say the, your beliefs make sense. What I say is, but they're good. Your for, your life, yeah. the way you're living, your community. Like I've got a community that's good for me. Your community, I can see the fruit. I can see the fruit that it bears in your life. Okay, well, yeah, saying I think your community is great, but but say, but to pretend like no, 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 I think you guys should stay Christians, like that that's belittling even if they still totally believe in their faith to have someone you know looking at you and saying like i i feel i I can imagine from an atheistic perspective right if i had a a group a christian say to me like yeah i think you should stay an atheist it's sort of like wait a minute you you don't want me in the truth club you know what i mean like would that really offend you uh no well because you know that you know that you think that they're wrong and so if, if they it was said you, you, if it was you, if I, if I had, if I had fallen out of Christianity and you were still hundred percent about it and you still believed that there was a hell and my dad's looking at me and saying like, yeah, you know, why don't you just, uh, why don't you, know you stay what, over there? Listen, man? bro. When I was in the neighborhood in West Philly, I had a friend who was part of our, like who was in our neighborhood. He wasn't part of Christianity or anything like that. Yeah. And he got in with Louis Farrakhan and the nation of Islam, yeah. which I think is just batshit crazy. Right. Okay. But all of a sudden, this guy who had been struggling with drugs, 
had really right, bad living with some principles, puts on a suit, yeah, yeah, yeah. eating well. And you go like, and, and, and even as a Christian at that point, yeah, people came to me and said, this is horrible. We've got to do something about Joey or his name wasn't Joey, but like, yeah, you know, like what inner city street dude is like Joey. <laughs> um, but like my attitude even then was like, leave him alone. He is thriving. Like whatever that is, like God will sort it out later, whatever. Maybe he'll figure out his theology later, but right now he's with, he's growing. Right. He's healthy. But as a like, po- we like, celebrate. Right. But the thing he believed before you also didn't No, I was true. a Christian and he was in street life. Like, so they were like, would you rather have him be in street life? Believe the right things and behave the wrong way yeah. or behave and I was like, the right you way. Know what? I want him healthy. And so yeah. I think that, and, and the other thing is, no, I'm with you there. I'm with you. As a parent, uh-huh. when you're looking at your kid, I promise you, no matter how Christian you are, the behavior is more important more. to you yeah. than your kid's theology. Their happiness. 99% of the time is whether or not they're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you say to your, so when the parent looks back and when the kid looks back at the parent and says, listen, I, I respect your lifestyle. Like I'm grateful for the way you raised me. Right. I'm grateful for you. I can see that your beliefs and your lifestyle and your relationships are working for you. And I respect that. Yeah. 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 And I'm not trying to, I don't want to have an argument with you where I say like, and this is the most important thing. What I always say to the kid is to the, to, to the child, as you're talking to parents is, if you can at all help it, don't say you don't believe in God. Say you can't believe in God. Because the truth is nobody chooses what they believe. Right. But the pain that the parent has is they think you're choosing against them. And make it clear, like, there's no choice involved here. Yeah, this happened. This happened. This is a thing that happened to me. Right. And, I mean, l- look at that letter that, that, that this woman writes to me. This is clearly something that happened to her. Yeah. She's, she's but that, a, that framing, though, falls outside of the Christian doctrine. It's, the whole thing is based on you choose what you believe, and that's what makes you righteous or not. And that's where I'll give you one really good, like, conversational t- tool. Okay. And that is, I always say to them, you can look at your parents and say to them, Mom and Dad... If my life depended upon you giving up Christianity and becoming a Muslim, if, if there was a gun to my head and they were going to kill me if you didn't accept Islam as the truth and they put you on a lie detector test, could you pass the lie detector test and saying that you believe in Islam and Muhammad flying from Mecca to Medina and all right, of that right, stuff? Right. And the parents will always look back at you and say, no. Huh. We, we couldn't like I don't believe that yeah you say like that's right mom that's how dad. I feel because people don't choose what they believe and so all I'm saying yeah 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 no and, that's and, great and so I think the important thing is to say like A I can't believe in God uh-huh. but B I don't look at you and think like how do I how do I end their faith if, if somebody really can't believe in God wouldn't you rather I walk this path where I share the same values that you share and I'm committed to social justice and caring for other people in the world and I'm part of a fellowship of people that encourages me to live up to my highest values like isn't this better and what I have found is in most cases when people have that kind of conversation with their parents it's still devastating right but it's devastating in a very different way and it's and, and and the personal damage and the conversation can keep going yeah and there's there's healing yeah that is open to happening. Yeah, and, 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 and there's authenticity that's open to happening. And I think that one of the things that's most important, like as a humanist evangelist, and in a sense, like 
I think it is good news that you can have a meaningful, wonderful, fulfilling life without believing in God since most of the planet will someday not be able to believe in God. Right. I think it's really good news that like yeah, there's yeah, meaning yeah. in that world. But like as a humanist evangelist, one of the most important things that you can do, whether it's your parents, your friends, or the, some, somebody trying to witness to you on a bus, is somehow find a way to communicate to them that you don't believe in God and yet you're grounded in a community and in a value system and in a lifestyle that is as, that has as much integrity as theirs. Hmm. Because like many people, when they hear secular humanists, they think God-hating, angry... Right, anti-theists. Anti-theists. Yeah. And so one of the things that these conversations accomplish when you, when you have them this way is they go like, wow, I was under the impression that without a direct relationship with God, you couldn't be a good person. I'm going to have to rethink that. And of course, once somebody recognizes that it's possible to be good without God. Yeah, it opens all kinds of doors. It opens all kinds of doors. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, I, I, I thought we would like do a letter and then move on. Right. But I kind of feel like that was a conversation. No, I mean, I think it needed that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Later on. Solid. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit bartcampolo.org. Hey.